Hey guys, welcome to this month's episode. Uh, this month we have a real treat with author David Ledane, who's talking to us about his new book, Having Gay Sex. Um, and it's quite interesting, like we talk about many great topics, I think you'll love the interview. Um, but I found it quite nice to talk to someone who's not inherently kinky and talk about it from their experiences from the outside, because in his book he does cover a lot of fetishes and kinks. And I just thought that was great. So for the interview, I would just like to thank our patrons, all our uh, $1 patrons. You're brilliant to us. And to all our $5 patrons, I would like to thank you personally. So that's Andrew Blackley, Connor Bone, Demon Boy, Deco Very, Brian C., Harry Hypnotist, and Matthew O'Mara. Thank you, thank you so much for your contributions to this show. It allows us to self-host. We've got great stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, Thank you so much. As with uh, last month, uh, we are asking... um, for anyone to donate to the outside project it is a cold bitter time of year and lgbt youth face a lot of violence on the streets and often excluded from a lot of shelters uh, especially if you're like trans um, and the outside project just gives these people a safe warm place to stay it gives them safety and security and a way to get them back on their feet um I'm a great believer in this charity, so I really hope you'll follow the link in the description and donate whatever you can. I understand December's a tight month for a lot of people, but anything will help. So with that being said, on with the interview. Hello, and welcome to the Kinky Boys podcast. Today we're actually talking about a book, and we have the book's author here himself. So would you be able to tell us about yourself? Yes, hi Craig. Um, Thanks for uh, connecting with me. Uh, So my name's David Ledane. I've written several uh, uh, gay non-fiction books, and the latest one is called Having Gay Sex. So... um, Shall I tell you a bit about it now? Yeah. So um, first, let's hear a bit about yourself. Uh, How did you get into being an author? Well, um, I've I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but I've always written in some form or another (laughs) since I can't remember when. So I've, you know, written uh, as a child. I used to and a teenager used to keep diaries which lockdown has been really interesting in going back to those diaries and looking at them. And, um, wow, you know, you just think that poor boy, that poor teenager, you know, the the, uh, frustrations and and difficulties he suffered. And if I could only tell him what I know now, um, uh, but I guess we're all like that. So, yes, so I've always written uh, in some form or another. And I used to write stories and have ideas for... Mm -hmm. Uh, screenplays and and uh, you know all sorts yeah. of things um and then i became a parent and i was a stay-at-home dad so that sort of gave me a bit of time to sort of think about writing and then um the computers and internet came along and so i was able to do research online mm-hmm. uh, uh, and as the children got older and went off to nursery school so i had more time to myself to do research and to write. Mm-hmm. So I, anyway, so I wrote this huge uh, novel, 
uh, which basically <laughs> was every, everything plus the kitchen sink. And it basically, it was just me dealing with with uh, issues uh, of, of relationships with my parents and my brother and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, I sort of had to get that out of my system. Yeah. And then I was going through a period of coming out and I had to come out to my wife and mm-hmm. later my kids. And at that time I was looking for other books or other information about gay dads and I just couldn't find anything really. Um, there were a few books in written by American celebrities and people writing about uh, same-sex marriage and adopting and things like that, but not about being a gay dad in a heterosexual yeah marriage and how you deal with that Hmm. you know how you can deal with the trauma and deal with the practicalities of it um so i was uh, i went online and i I found a group of other gay dads and i basically asked them if um they would be prepared to tell me their stories and from that i've I've created a book i wrote a book called gay dad uh, 10 true stories of Hmm gay men um and that was really part of my coming out process and really helped me it was cathartic for me to do that i can imagine yeah and um you know i think it 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 struck a chord with a lot of people and from that um a guy called nicholas mcinerney got Mm -hmm. in touch with and uh he wanted to do a podcast called rainbow dads about other gay dads so it's all sort of serendipity really these yeah. things come along at the same time very often so we did that we went up to goldsmiths uh, and, and we did um sat in a studio and recorded six episodes of rainbow dads but we'll probably talk about that in a minute so anyway so after i'd written uh, gay dad uh in that process i discovered that there was lots of cultural uh, LGBT history that I had no idea about, uh, which had completely missed my radar. Oh yeah, I I hear this so often from people, and myself included, where once you start digging and are given a lead on sort of gay culture, you can like unravel and find all this history and all this knowledge and like events and cultures that are just kind of kept hidden, and yeah. like if you don't know where to look you can't be exposed to all this wonderful deep culture that we have that's absolutely right uh, and because it's not taught in schools so much mm-hmm. um i think it's probably going a bit you know better on that um but uh, and of course with each generation of lgbt people because all this history is hidden away and under the radar um it gets forgotten. One generation forgets and then the next generation yeah. comes along. And, you know, they just don't know it. And I, I thought, well, how do I not know these things? You know, I've been around a while, um, but completely missed these stories. So I wrote a book called This Forbidden Fruit, which was basically um, uh, events, like you say, and dates uh, of of things that happened, uh, you know, with Henry VIII and the Buggery yeah. Act. In yeah. <laughs> all the way through to... Um, uh, modern day and um uh and that was really interesting and and again that was all, all part of learning about my lgbt culture and my culture you know and owning it and, yeah uh, um and then from that because i was you know coming out and discovering all these things and discovering my sexuality 
I also found that there was not a lot of information about having gay sex and what that meant. Um, and the really interesting thing that struck me, and the re I think the catalyst of why I wrote the book, um, was because I was talking to some people at Switchboard, um, the LGBT mm -hmm. uh, Switchboard in London, and they told me that the one question they get asked more than any other from uh, guys phoning in is, how do I have sex with a man? And to me, that just was incredible because I cannot imagine a heterosexual guy phoning up a helpline or an agony aunt or whatever and and saying, how do I have sex with a woman? And that's because um, it's intuitive and it's in our culture and it's around us all the time and, yeah. and it's on film and it's on TV. Um, it's something you but, can learn by osmosis, whereas like gay men, like growing up from my experience, like I knew anal sex was a thing, but I had no idea what was involved with anal sex. Like there are things like relaxation, clearing out, um, just generally being able to relax enough and the psychology behind it, which, you know, you don't learn about. Absolutely. And also there's this myth that uh, I think this, that to be homosexual, to be gay, you have to have anal sex. Yeah. And of course, that's not the case at mm. all. Uh, that's just a part of sex. Uh, and in fact, uh, more heterosexual couples indulge in anal sex uh, relatively than homosexual couples or homosexual men. So that's really interesting. Um, so it's not a, a gay thing. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is part of sex. Uh, and you're right, you know, where do you go to learn about douching and 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 rimming and and yeah. you know all all the relaxation techniques and blah 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 so um that's what sort of set me off on this path to write having gay sex and of course you know it's not just about anal sex it's oral sex as well how how do you give a blow job you know how do you deep throat yeah um, and there are techniques that you can learn but of course when you watch porn this is the this is the terrible thing about porn. It's so um, often perfect and staged and edited, and all the guys in it are absolutely gorgeous and whatever. And it looks like it's uh, it should be second nature and easy to do. Yeah, like I'm but, thinking of. I was actually chatting to a young man I'm no, and um, he's just coming out. One of the things he talked to me about was he is worried that when he finally gives a blowjob, he's going to be bad at it. And I had to sit sit him down and say, it's like kissing. Everyone's bad at it at the start. And you yeah. get taught and you learn. It, it's a technique you pick up. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but yeah. he didn't, he thought it was something you either had or you didn't because of the way he'd watched porn. Exactly. This is this is this is the thing exactly because the gay when we're growing up as gay people, there's nowhere to go to learn these things apart from porn. Mm. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is now with with uh, you know smartphones and everything, the the um, surge of amateur porn is fantastic in a way because you know you get to see normal guys, ordinary guys like us having sex in all sorts of places and do, you know doing all yeah. sorts of things um and it and it's quite refreshing i think and I, I actually prefer amateur porn to um studio porn 
but you're right you know um there's no wrong or right way to give a blowjob is there i mean it's just you know what you what you want to do and yeah the guy likes and you know it's a two-way communication um yeah so basically that that's why i wrote the book and it it talks about um bdsm and kink and and that's why i think we're having this conversation yeah. because it includes all all uh aspects of uh sex uh and and the myths of it you know mm. the the myths that it is purely about homosexuals and to be a homosexual you have to do these things and it, and it's it's in your radar but of course it's not at all bdsm is very much uh, across the spectrum uh yeah so. yeah and yeah it's fascinating because i mean we'll get onto the book in full in a minute uh because i still want to talk to you about the rainbow dads podcast first but um yeah. i loved reading like the chapters on kink because it is incredibly well researched uh you give great stats and st- statistics that i have no idea where to find these things and like i kind well, of make it my business to try and know about kink but um also you had some brilliant interviews with real life people and their experiences which i found so enlightening yeah well yeah so did i i mean absolutely because you know i bdsm is not my thing really uh, interestingly, I've, I have found out what <laughs> what my things are, mm. uh, you know, in research, because you've opened yourself yeah. up to these things, sort of think, well, uh, you know, this is interesting, I'll have a go, whatever. Um, but uh, I thought, and I needed to talk to people who knew what mm. they were talking about with regards to BDSM and kink. Um, you know, I had one conversation with a guy, uh, you know, he met me for lunch uh, in a cafe in London, and uh <laughs> We were sat there and there was other office staff sat around us mm-hmm. chatting and, you know, talking about what was on the EastEnders the night before or whatever. And we were having this conversation about, you know, just extraordinary stuff that uh, he got up to. But he was just such a articulate and mm-hmm. normal guy, you know, intelligent, well-spoken. Um, and, you know, he was telling me about, you know, how he dressed up in his leather gear and went to Backstreet and went off to... Um, Hampstead Heath and cruised on Hampstead Heath and you know all these things and these these worlds are so hidden and so um secretive um to the outside world and even to people in in the gay community because had I not gone and you know sought these people out to talk to them I wouldn't know these things um and I talked to you know a, a tantric mm-hmm. massa you know that's interesting yeah, because I wanted to understand what, you know, how he felt about being a tantric masseur mm-hmm. rather than an escort giving a rub down. Yeah. Very, very different. Uh, and, you know, what what he was talking about was the whole sort of holistic approach mm. to someone's well-being. You know, it's about the whole body and connecting and it's not just a quick rub down and a hand job or whatever. Um. Yeah, and uh, Nicholas from Rainbow Dads, um, he was quite heavily uh, interested and uh, he went to Mm -hmm. Burning Man, the big festival in... um, Uh, California, uh, yes. California, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, And how, you know, inspirational and affirming that was for him to go to this wild place in the desert. For people who don't know what it is, it's it's a yearly sort of 
thing that goes on <laughs> in the desert in Nevada. Uh, and people just explore their sexuality and mm-hmm. their emotional well-being and all sorts of things uh and it's very intense and um it's for all sexes and all all you know the whole rainbow um and so he's done that several times so i talked to him about that because obviously that's not something i've done um and for me that i probably that doesn't really sort of appeal somehow but anyway um so yeah so i talk to people real people and Mm. find out their sides of it so yeah i'm glad you enjoyed that because um I certainly did, you know, doing doing the research. That was the main uh, interest for me mm. to talk to people. Oh, yeah. Like talking to people brings it alive and it it strips like so often the only time we're allowed to talk about um, sex in society, especially kinky sex, is through the filter of like academic interest, I find. Yeah. You either get academic interest or it's like a Channel 4 documentary of look how bizarre everything is. Whereas just sitting down and talking with people and real human beings can be so enlightening. I mean, it's part of why I started this podcast is talking to people about their experiences is so fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, we I think. We all have this sort of initial reaction to things, you know, like um, furry play and puppy yeah. play and water sports and sounding mm. and all these things. And you sort of think, oh, I don't know. Well, that's not really me. Um, but when you talk to the people who, who get involved in it, they're just ordinary people who just, you know, like exploring their sexuality. Uh, and I think it's really healthy. And I think um, it, in some ways it's more uh what's the word i don't know inspiring it's more you can connect to it in a way yeah and and they're looking for something more Mm. than just an orgasm Mm. because it's more than that you know it's the whole build-up it's the whole uh scene it's the whole uh, theatrics of it um i mean you probably well can tell me more about this than i know i mean for me like it works on many layers because like, especially for me getting into kinky sex and leather, like obviously there's the immediate sexual aspect of, um, I get turned on by it, but there's also, as you say, the scenes are more intense in a way and more trying to find the right words, more involved and complex than just simple sex. And then on top of that, you have the layer of community you know what yeah like it gives you a sense of community with people and interacts with people um that uh you just is really hard to find in the modern world um like for me like part of being leather community the fa- one of my favorite parts is um the leather social which is a non-sexual event you can go to it at the um uh, grand dame of soho on compton street uh first sunday of the month Obviously, that is quite restricted now with COVID. It's book table only. But um, just being able to socialize with people in that manner and connect with people with the same interests as you and the same understanding as you um, is deeply fulfilling in a way I don't think I would feel if I wasn't part of the kink community. Yeah, it it is that connection, like you say. Um, I I, I just wanted to ask you, actually... um, your kink interest has it always have you always had that has it always been something that you've known as well as being gay because 
the guys that I spoke to uh, who were interested in BDSM were um, saying that it was almost like being gay is one thing and BDSM is another thing. So it's two it's two uh, things that you have to deal with, two things that you have to come out about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Like, um, for me, obviously, there was being gay. Also, I knew very early on I was kinky. And right. I also knew very early on I was, like, what I would describe as naturally polyamorous. Right. And I I knew from the beginning, sort of, like monogamy wouldn't work for me in a way I find very hard to articulate the same way I can't quite articulate how I knew I was homosexual from the start so all these things are sort of sexualities I feel have been built into me yeah Mm. and whereas for me the BDSM thing has Mm. never come on my Mm. radar so I'm not that way inclined Um, which is interesting so you know the it's just a sexuality. It's just a part of who we are. It's not who we are, is it? Yeah, exactly. It It is a feature of us. That's right, yeah. And we're all multifaceted mm. and we all have different interests mm-hmm. uh, uh, and we all like to explore those interests. Um, I mean, writing the book, had, like I say, has given, has given me uh, the ability to try things out that that i wouldn't have done before and also to hear you know um from guys who say well you know just come along just you know see yeah. what you think and and uh yeah yeah so you know i've uh, i have and uh, it's been interesting <laughs> yeah great so i just want to get into the rainbow dads uh podcast how did you get involved with that and what is it for people um because i i listen to it and it's a brilliant listen and i'm going to link it in the show notes um so could you just talk people what that was and your involvement with it yeah so i wrote the book gay dad and then nicholas mcinerney who is the producer he's a playwright and uh uh, he does uh creative writing teaching (laughs) as well and all sorts of things, you know, art, you know, these arty farty, <laughs> they got their fingers in all sorts of pies, uh, as I have. Um, yeah, so he contacted me uh, and several other guys, gay dad guys, uh, some of whom I knew uh, and some I didn't uh, and all from all different backgrounds. So uh, there's a Sikh guy who's bisexual rather than mm-hmm. homosexual. Um one guy who was brought up in a very, very uh, religious mm-hmm. uh, household. Um, uh, yeah, all sorts of stories, all sorts of backgrounds. So we, six of us got together in, in Goldsmiths in London in a studio a couple, uh, over a couple of weekends. We were locked in <laughs> and uh, basically he, he um, asked us these very uh, mm-hmm. revealing questions. And the interesting thing is um, that you don't very often get men together like that yeah uh, talk um about their feelings and emotions and their backstory and there's uh, you know there's several points uh, through the series that are sort of jaw-dropping and you think well you know that i just never knew that about this person and you know and they obviously felt in a safe place to be able to say the things that they did but you know there's tears and there's laughter but so basically we talk about the whole the whole uh, process of coming out having to tell our wives and what that meant and then telling the kids and uh 
you know, and how you build your lives afterwards. Um, uh, and it's uh, it's been very successful. And um, I think there's over 7000 downloads now and it's gone all around the world, which is which is really heartening, you know, to places like India and Russia and Mexico and all over the place. You know, we, we get, um, uh, you know, notices from people who've, who've listened to it and and it's, in, you know, given them some hope, I guess, or, you know, which is the main that's, thing. You yeah, know, that's brilliant. Realize, to realise that you're not the only yeah. one. Yeah, and I mean, this is why I wanted to just include a note on it and talk about it because it is an amazing thing to listen to cool well i think it i think the uh the thing is that it's so unusual to get as i say a group of guys together to talk about the same thing the same theme Mm. but from all different backgrounds and different ages and to get different people's perspectives uh and in that way hopefully you know we uh show people that they aren't they're not the only one because when that happens to you when you realise that you're in this situation and uh, you can't see any way out, that's not going to hurt and destroy pe- other people. You know the guilt that you live with, and that you, you know, you take with you through your life. But you have to come to terms with it and live with it. Um, but there is a way through. Yeah. So yeah. Brilliant. So if we turn now to the book itself. So the book is called Having Gay Sex, A Guide to Gay Male Home Sorry. A Guide to Gay Male Homosexual Sex. Now yeah. from that title I initially Not- thought it was a how to book. Yes. Is it that? <laughs> <laughs> No, it, uh, it's called um, a, a homosexual sex because mm-hmm. it does not deal with lesbian mm-hmm. sex or, you know, it, it is for men um, because I, I don't know anything about lesbian sex or, yeah. or you know, what women get up to. So I couldn't <laughs> really include that. Um, so I had to make that clear. Um, sorry, what would... Oh, no, it's not a how-to guide. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yes, there was a book. Um, I don't know if you remember. You're, you're too young to remember this. A book way back in the day, called The Joy of Sex. I know um, of it. It, yeah. it. it is in the cultural osmosis at this point, yeah. Yeah. So this was a book back in the day that was supposed to, I, I think it was only heterosexual sex it ever explored, but it had this uh, hippie couple uh, uh, sort of drawn illustrations. Nothing was ever shown, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I had knees in the way. Um, but that was a how-to guide. But my book is not is not a how-to guide. So there's no pictures or, or, or photographs or anything like that. But it does explore practicalities. Um, you know, as we talked about earlier, uh, so douching and, and rimming and, uh, you know, all, yeah. all sorts of things it talks about. Uh, so uh, because we don't know this information and, and I you know, I wanted to give people a place to go to, to, to refer, to find out these things. Um, but, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm not uh, a medical expert and I'm not an academic expert. But I think that's that was your point earlier, because a lot of um, books that explore um, homosexual sex tend to be academia like you say or the other end of the scale uh, and i wanted to give something a bit more real and a bit more practical um to people and hopefully uh i've achieved that hopefully um but you know i, I, I would that, say you have definitely the notices have been very good uh mm-hmm. and it, it's doing very well and um yeah so 
brilliant. And so, as I said before, this book is incredibly well researched. You've got a great variety of interviewees, as well as like hard stats and statisticians. So, when researching the book, what were some of the most surprising or interesting things you learned that you didn't know before? Oh, gosh, so many. Uh, well, so many things, really. Um, gosh, what springs to mind? I don't know. <laughs> sounding, I never knew anything about sounding. That just terrified me. It <laughs> terrifies that. a lot of people. It, it still, <laughs> I still can't, even though I understand it and I've, I've tried it. I still can't look at pictures of it. Yeah, no, yeah. It, I mean, you just yes, yeah. it's almost like seeing someone have an accident. You just oh, you know, you get that sort of oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, you know, it's just interesting to explore that. Um, oh, what else? Uh, water sports as well is an mm-hmm. interesting, uh, an interesting uh, thing to look at. What that was all about. Uh, I'm, I'm still not sure that I know where that comes from i tell you what was an interesting mm-hmm. uh thing that i learned was that every sexual uh position and aspect of sex has has always existed uh since forever you know if you go back to roman times or mm-hmm. egyptian times or whatever people were having anal sex and and um you know having blowjobs and whatever but the 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 only thing that has, seems to be invented in the 20th century is fisting now i don't know if you have any uh knowledge of this um and it seems to have grown up through porn and being shown in porn um and um you know i have met guys who participate and enjoy it and again it's something that i you know it's not my thing and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't want to go there but just really interesting how our technological world has had an effect on people taking things to the extreme and exploring things you know at the at the very end of the spectrum if you like um yeah so that was that was something really interesting that 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 i had no idea about yeah i mean that i mean how progress and societal um norms affect kinks has been something that's fascinated me for a long time uh one of the big ones we did was on um right when this podcast started quite early on we did one on barebacking and that was fascinating because barebacking became its own fetish basically in the early 80s or 90s and that was yeah. because there was such a hard um, push for condom-only safe sex. Yeah. And the messaging was very much, you have to wear a condom. And like a fetish of barebacking and what's known as cum play basically grew up because um, unprotected sex had become so taboo. And yeah. it, like this fetish emerged... Um, as a reaction to a change in standards and society. Because, you know, in the 70s, unprotected sex wasn't barebacking, it was just condomless sex. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But interestingly, I think um, times have, have moved on mm. since then, uh, and I think the stats show that um, it's quite level, the interest in condom sex and mm. barebacking. 
Yeah. Um, people, are, people are not, you know, so much turned on or turned off by one thing or the other. Uh, I think they, you know, accept it as can be part of sex or, you know, porn or not. Oh, yeah. um, and I think, like, just like prep um, becoming a thing has had a big hand in that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you know, in the 80s, uh, you know, I mean, that was one of the, th- AIDS was one of the things that mm. HIV kept me in the closet, really. Yeah. Because I was, I was just frightened, mm. you know, as uh, so many of us were. Uh, I remember sitting in in the pub, actually talking with my mates down the mm-hmm. pub, you know, and they were all saying uh, at the time, because there was these adverts on telly, you know, the big tombstone adverts and don't die yes. of ignorance. Yeah. And uh, we were all saying, oh, we, we could all we could all have it. We could all have it. And I, and I was thinking, yes, but I could have it more than you. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Because uh, I was, you know, doing things that I uh, that were I knew possibly dangerous. But I think with prep and uh, you know, with the drugs that are available now, uh, uh, and HIV is not a death sentence. Um, so condomless sex is is. Um, are you still there? Yeah, yes, you are. Yeah. Sorry, I, you just sort of froze for a bit. Um, yeah. So I think it, it's it's it's. It's less of a thing than I think it was. Yeah. Definitely. And so are there any sort of chapters you would like, if someone couldn't read the whole book, is there like a chapter or an interview you would like really point to and just say, this is the part I really want you to read? Well, yeah, the interesting thing is it depends on your, you know, on yeah. your thing really, because it covers so many different areas and, and you know, as I say, you know, I talked to a guy who's a, a tantric masseur um, and I talked to, you know, the guys who are into BDSM and I talked mm-hmm. to people who are into, you know, uh, naked healing and um, queer spirit and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's a diverse range of uh, voices in there. And, you know, as we've discussed, it covers all sorts of uh, topics and areas, you know, masturbation and oral sex and anal sex and, and whatever. Um, yeah. So it covers lots of lots of different areas. Um, yeah. And and is there any that like a person you met there or something you found out that has particularly stayed with you? um yeah the, you know the different people that i've met yeah. obviously they stay with you and um i'm just i consider them although i've not you know some of them I've, I've, i'll not see again probably you know if we pass i might see them but yeah i consider them as uh kindred spirits if you like uh they're friends now uh, i feel um yeah but i think that the 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 point of the book is that having gay sex is not necessarily about the orgasm um there's so much more uh to it and it's such a joy really mm-hmm. um to be able to have so such a variety mm-hmm. of sex and to explore your sexuality and to you know do things that um possibly you know heterosexual people can't can't explore for whatever reason you know they're in yeah. marriages or the they're they're, mm-hmm. they're in partnerships or they're so they're so you know uh regulated and and by by their culture um and uh you know i think gay culture is such a such an affirming thing 
these mm. days. Um, you know, which I've learned through through all my books. You know, yeah. uh, the, you know, this forbidden fruit for the culture and history, which I never knew, and and having gay sex. Um, lots of stuff I didn't know. So yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. The whole thing has been wonderful. Um, but I'm working on another book as well now. So oh, really? What uh, are you happy to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's the topic of your new book? Um, so I have realized the importance mm-hmm. of people telling their stories, mm-hmm. uh, from my own point of view, for, for me, telling my story through my book, Gay Dad was, was integral to my coming out process. Um, and the people that I've met on the, on my path, on my, uh, writing path, telling their stories. Uh, so I written this book, uh, which is called, tell your lgbtq plus story uh and basically uh it is a sort of a guide to the process of writing your story and publishing it yourself um but it also includes the stories of people who've done that wow who've written their story and why they've done that and how it's impacted on their lives after and what they hope to achieve through it um uh, and again, that's that's been really interesting. Um, and I've got people uh, from India and uh, a guy from America who's a producer. Um, uh, yeah, very all sorts of people who've uh, come forward and, and willing to share their stories. And the point is that I hope it will uh, empower other LGBTQ plus people to tell their stories, um, because without mm-hmm. us telling our stories, um, it becomes you know a void of silence excuse me so uh it's still important you know although we have equality and things are very much changed and very much better than they were you know 10 20 years ago um if we don't still tell our stories we just become the sort of miasma of mainstream and um we get forgotten um and, and equality has been really good but in some respects, it has just made us disappear. Yeah, there um, is the issue of like, um, gen- I've actually talked to you from my co-host Buster about this a lot, um, about um, the difference between what was traditionally known as queer liberation and sort of queer assimilationism, where it's sort of you gain acceptance by sort of merging into the culture rather than standing out from it. And I do, like, obviously it's been successful to a large degree, but it also means we lose a lot along the way. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes commercialised and, you know, oh, big yeah. companies take on the, you know, the bat, bat on. Um, but, you know, once Pride is over, what do they do? They just go back to the, you know, commercialism and, oh, yeah. and advertising. It's a month case. of having a rainbow version of their logo on social media and, you know, yeah. what else do they do? Exactly. Like, exactly. I found like this year when we had the marches, because even though Pride was officially cancelled, there was a large march on the day in London in support of um, because obviously Black Lives Matter was very much in the focus. And, you know, those things are still going on. Um, it was decided to have a march for um, black trans lives. And right. people just people who went there said it felt like what pride used to be because it was an active political march and there was no brands, no floats, no go-go boys. It was just 
people with a good atmosphere having time um marching for real change yeah and yeah. I, and lots of people are saying they don't want to go back to that sort of commercialized version of pride next year yeah yeah i mean in some ways mm. you know it's good that uh it's it's, it's you know, pride has sort of become part of the mm. British culture, yeah. uh, you know, my culture, which is great, you know, and it's accepted and people have a good time and mm. families turn up and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but I still think we need to um, push push our voices out there uh, to be heard. Um, and so that was the premise behind uh, my, my new book, which uh, is in the process of editing and, and doing all that stuff that you have to do. But, um, yeah, so I want people to tell their stories and to show them how, how to do that and to give them uh, the confidence to do that. Yeah. Brilliant. I look forward to reading it when it comes out. So with your current book, uh, Guide to ha- Having Gay Sex, how, um, how can listeners get that? Obviously, this will be airing in December, so people will be looking for gifts and maybe have a bit of spare cash after Christmas. So uh, where can they get a copy of your book? So you can get it on Amazon or Kindle. It's also available at uh, London Bookshop Gaze the Word and Portal Bookshop in um, York. Um, Both those bookshops you can, I think, go online and order. Uh, I know you can with Portal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so it's quite widely available. Um, Yes. Uh, and you can contact me if you wish to through Twitter and Facebook. Um, I'm more sort of on Twitter at David Ladane um, Great. than Facebook. I will I'm slowly uh, get off the book. <laughs> no, no, and I will include those links in the show notes. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview, and I'm so glad uh, we actually got to talk about this. Um, well, me too. I'm really you. pleased that uh, yeah, we 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 connected. Great. Um, so yes, our listeners, I highly recommend you get this book. I've read it myself. It's very good. Um, so to all our listeners, thank you for listening, uh, play safe and good night.